Hello and welcome to the Total Saints FC Delivery Podcast. So welcome to SFC Superpod 2. You'll remember that John, Matt and myself, Ben Stanfield, did a pod at the end of last season, I think it was, after the Swansea game when we'd uh, managed to stave off relegation. We're back for a Christmas special. I know everyone's been looking forward to it and the three of us are really delighted to get back together and put something together just ahead of Christmas for you guys to listen to. So what we're going to do before we start, um, starting with John, then Matt and then myself, is we're just going to remind you of who our podcasts are and where you can find us. Hi everyone, I'm John Bailey from the Saints FC podcast and uh, you can find us basically everywhere where you'd get your podcast from, iTunes, Spotify, um, any, any, anywhere where you've ever found a podcast before you can find us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Saints FC podcast as well and uh, yeah, mainly me and Tom and various family members and others talking about the Saints with the occasional Saints legend thrown in for good measure as well. And my name is Matt Markstone, and I host the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Uh, I'm based out of California, so quite a ways away. But you can find the podcast um, on iTunes or Stitcher or Acast or kind of wherever you listen. Uh, just search Delivery. That's usually the easiest way. And then it'll try to correct you to just one L, but you don't want that to make sure there's two. Yeah, generally, the show comes out every Tuesday, uh, and I talk with uh, some other fan. Generally, they write or have an Instagram page or something like that. Uh, we talk about the most recent game. We talk about uh, whatever whatever their project is, and we talk about the team, and you know, that's, that's pretty much it. And I'm Ben Stanfield. I'm the host of Total Saints Podcast at Total Saints Pod on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, likewise, similar to the guys, um, we're on most of the um, available channels, SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, Google Podcasts, Player FM, etc., etc., I run the podcast with Adam Leach, who's the chief sports writer at the Daily Echo, and Steve Grant, who's the owner of the Saints Web message board. Um, between the three of us, we were just working out before we came online. There's a cumulative 6,003 miles from uh, Southampton to uh, our various locations around the world. John, starting with you then. So you just moved down to, to Plymouth, the Wild West, as they call it. So uh, how are you settling in down there? Yeah, well, I've been down here a week and we haven't seen the sunshine yet. So I'm hoping that's not a sign for the long term uh, outlook of weather going forward. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I'm feeling quite out in the sticks all the way down here, but I'm easily the closest out of us three. I know. Well, I, we were just saying, weren't we? It's, uh, if you moved any further west, you'd almost be in Matt's backyard. So it's uh, yeah, quite away from Southampton, but yet still the closest. So it says a lot for the other two of us, doesn't it? In terms of California, Matt, there's been a lot going on in the news the last few months. We've seen a lot of the sad fires and things like that, but life is getting some way back to normal over there, is it? Yeah, yeah. And luckily, this time, the fires weren't kind of anywhere near me. We did have some family members uh, affected, but not as bad as in recent years. But life is life is good now. It's the middle of winter, and I'm currently sitting outside of a water park, so my life is not bad. <laughs> and more importantly, Matt, you've just celebrated uh, 100 episodes of your podcast, which uh, I think John and myself would absolutely congratulate you on that. That's some commitment, so uh, quite a milestone to hit. Yeah, it was... Uh... It, it kind of came up a lot faster than I than I thought. I mean, when we were, I was around 20 or something, I felt like it was going to take forever. It felt like it was wasn't going anywhere, and then um, all of a sudden, yeah, a, a hundred was was two or three episodes away, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" You know, I'm I'm not very good at doing like a uh, big celebratory stuff. Um, you can ask my wife about our engagement at some point, but we won't bore you with it here. <laughs> um, but it's uh, and so all of a sudden it got there, and it's 
I'm pretty proud of it. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, the, mm. the hundred straight weeks of doing it, uh, I worked it out. It's been somewhere between six and 700 hours, which is almost 30 days of, uh, doing the podcast over the past two years. So, uh, I got to thank my family for letting me do it. And, uh, I, I guess everybody else for, for coming on and for listening. Cause I, I wouldn't sit and do it by myself. So it's, it's been, it's been a pretty good run. It's an incredible effort when you think how uh, tough uh, it's been on the pitch uh, following Saints. I mean, I've only been doing it for, well, 14, 15 months. Uh, I know you've been a bit longer as well, John. But, yeah, the, the amount of effort and time it does take for all of us, um, you know, I was going to say we don't get paid. I know a few of us, Matt, you've joined Patreon as well. We're trying to raise a buck or two. But generally, it's um, four, five, six, seven hours of your weekend um, preparing, researching, editing, etc. John, it takes up a lot of time, doesn't it? It, it, it takes up a hell of a lot of time. And, you know, I've got to tip my hat to Matt because he and I started pretty similar time i think i was about a month behind matt in setting up my podcast and he's way 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 ahead of me uh i have taken every opportunity to have a break mm. um you know which it's really it sounds like i don't enjoy doing it but I, you know i love doing the podcast and uh, i'm certainly not doing it for money it's kind of like a nice little way to witter away a little bit more extra cash on saints um it's amazing though they kind of the effort and time and endurance that it takes to put it all together but actually it's it's definitely worth it it mm. brings you so much closer to the southampton uh community of fans and then i've been lucky enough to meet some of my heroes as well and the ex-players as a result of doing a podcast as well which is just a you know, dream come true really yeah i think it's the same uh, you know for me i work for a bank you know i think it's the the fact is it's a bit of a release for all of us isn't it you know certainly that's the way i feel about it as one thing is doing spreadsheets at work but you know coming away and being able to talk about saints something that all three of us and many people listening absolutely love it's uh it's that chance to really sort of um switch off from the real world almost and uh spend a bit of time doing it so yeah you know congratulations on that matt and uh John, you and I have just sort of struggled our way past 50 episodes, but again, it's yeah. felt like a, a labour of love. And uh, I, I think the thing is, you, you know, it's it's all of the people it's given all of us an opportunity to speak to, as you say, people that we may not have come across, John, if we weren't doing podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, it's it's the excuse to speak to your old mates as well. So um, Tom Parker, who's the kind of regular guest or I suppose kind of co-host on, on my podcast, like I've known him for a little while through the DJing scene in uh, in London, and then. Um, he, you know, he was basically the only person in London I knew supported Saints. And so it was like, oh, great, an excuse to get my mate over, drink a bottle of wine or a couple of beers and chat about Saints together, which is something that I never get to do with uh, most of my friends. So, um, you know, really, really welcome. And then, you know, I mean, meeting the the kind of ex-players as well is just fantastic. Like mm-hmm. when we've had, um, I mean, we mentioned earlier when we were chatting to Richard Chatplay, he's like such a great guy meeting Matt Latisse off the back of it and um you know some real kind of legends as well that some of the oldies have talked about it's you know so good yeah speaking of Matt Latisse Matt Freddie managed to get you a, a personal congratulations on your 100th episode from the big man yeah that was crazy I was not uh, expecting that at all and um Freddie he had he had messaged it to me uh privately and I was just like I don't even know how to respond and he goes well he's standing here so if you can send me something that'd be great. I'm just like, I was in the middle of like teaching a class and I was like, uh, give me a second, you know? And then I fumbled my way through something. And then, um, when he put it out on, on Twitter, I was like, oh man, this is like, I, it makes me feel like good. And, and, but it's also, is like too much, almost too much attention in, in, in a way. But, mm. um, yeah, no, that was a uh, wonderful and it's, it's saved in like 17 places. So I, I won't lose it now. I'm sure Freddie will be listening to this. I, I know he works very, very hard as well. So, um, you, you know, appreciate all the effort that Freddie's putting into the ugly inside. It's uh, coming on leaps and bounds. 
Speaking of Saints then, John, um, we're recording the day after they've uh, beaten Arsenal, which, uh, again, for me, doing the podcast last night was a beautiful thing to be able to undertake. I said to Adam it was 106 days since our last podcast after Crystal Palace, so nice to have a Saints win to, to talk about, and uh, Ralph Hasenhutl making a bit of an impact. Oh, was it seriously that long? I know. It felt, it felt like longer, to, to be honest. About. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, and, and then can you believe it? The Saints FC podcast has not actually been recorded by me this week. It's with Tom and Will. So you know, the chance to have like a really positive, uh, upbeat one, uh, blown away by that. But thankfully getting a chance to chat to you two about it. I think it's been a really exciting couple of weeks. And I think when Saints got rid of Les Reed, it, it suggested that something big was coming. And I think the writing was on the wall for Mark Hughes then. And then the fact that the club kind of dealt with the Mark Hughes situation, got in a replacement so quickly, which was, you know, so good to see that happen. You know, how many times have we seen clubs like dragging their heels and it being a a terrible disaster in terms of recruitment? So to have a really good appointment lined up and then I spoke to uh, Raphael Honigstein, who's a Mm. German Mm. um, journalist working in England. He's big on his German football and he he told us all about... um, uh, Ralph Hassan, who taught, and he, he just sounded like the absolute ideal fit for Southampton and a great manager in terms of if you're a fan and you're going to watch the games, the high pressing, the high energy, you know, seeing the players being 100% committed on the pitch. It's just something that we've been crying out for since uh, Ronald Koeman left. And I'm delighted for the team and uh, Big Ralph or whatever nickname we're going to give him to, to get that win. And then against a team like Arsenal, and lost for 22 games as well. It's just fantastic. Total icing on the cake. Um, brilliant, brilliant stuff. You're right. We do need a nickname for him, really, don't we? The Hutch or something like that. I don't, don't yeah. know what we need to come up with. Maybe if someone's listening, they can come up with a suitable nickname for the uh, the Hutch or, or whatever we're going to call him. But Matt, the uh, the board have taken a lot of stick, haven't they, the last few months? But look, credit to them. They've they've gone and uh, I was going to say they pulled a rabbit out of the Hutch, which I know Freddie had already come up with. But <laughs> but you know they 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 pulled a rabbit I think out of the Hutch. It's a fair one. Yeah, well, exactly. It. They they have, haven't they? I think uh, you know it's early days, Matt, but looks an exciting prospect, the manager. Yeah, and one that I didn't think they were gonna they were gonna make. Uh, I think when Les Reed went, I was afraid that we were gonna be stuck with Hughes for even longer because I didn't think there was anybody in the front office that that could make a decision uh, in, in terms of a manager because uh, we we I thought the football minds were kind of gone. But uh, yeah, we have to give him credit. I think for for one taking a, a bit of a risk uh, and, and going after somebody that's uh, a, a, maybe a stronger personality. Uh, who was very clear as soon as he came in with the the tactics he wanted to play, the formations he wanted to play, uh, the style of play, and it was just something different from the very beginning uh, than you know uh, Pellegrino or or Puel or even when Hughes came in. So it's been uh, a breath of fresh air, and I've been kind of excited just from hearing him just from the very first press conference, and and then to see him come out there and, and set the team up the way he did, and uh, his kind of a- action and reaction on the sideline yesterday was. Uh, it was fantastic. I should say touch lines, otherwise people are going to shut it off. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's been a kind of breath of fresh air over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? I, I think. I think certainly from my point of view, there was a lot of players at Southampton Football Club that were maybe coasting, I think is the word we would use over here, Matt, which I'm, you know, basically means they're not putting much effort in. And I think um, yeah, Adam was talking about it on our podcast last night that he's really come in and uh, it's been very intensive, very tiring, lots of hard work this week. But there's nothing better than when you sort of see them putting some effort on the training ground. I mean, they've been doing double sessions, apparently. They've been, uh, you know, they had their day off cancelled. And to come away with a win, you know, I think many of us would have taken a draw at all. But to get the three points really uh, puts all that hard work into, you know, real reward, John. 
Uh, absolutely. And yeah, one of the really big differences that I noticed was we took the lead, we surrendered the lead, we took the lead, we surrendered the lead, and we kept on pushing forward and then eventually got the winner. And, you know, you've seen us lose points from winning positions so many times already this season. And every time you can actually see it in the players, in their kind of physical body language, you can see the slump mm. and the fear um, take over them. And so to kind of get that out of the players so quickly is great. And, you know, we're talking about all those kind of double training sessions, cancelling the day off. If things don't go well and you get absolutely battered, you know, trying to implement the new manager's philosophy or tactical ideas, then you can maybe start to see some fractions kind of building in the squad. But the fact that we've got a victory so quickly, you know, the players don't mind working hard if they get big victories shown on the telly on Sky Sports, you know, the world watching and they get to be heroes and actually have people praising them on Twitter rather than uh, slagging them off publicly and, you know, copying in everyone and their wives and, you know, <laughs> all of that. And it's like, and the atmosphere at St Mary's was so much better as well. It really, mm. really came across. And you know, I wonder how much of that was to do with uh, the free beer for the season ticket holders <laughs> before the game. I mean, what a masterstroke! You get people in the ground early because they've got to get their drink before the game starts, and you get them a little bit more excited than they perhaps normally would be after just a, you know, a Coca-Cola or a or a lemonade. It feels like a very German. I know he's Austrian, but it feels like a very German thing to do, doesn't it? You know, massive great pint glasses in the stand, uh, Matt, and yeah, everyone, everyone a bit rowdy like you guys over there in uh, in America you know when you go to do baseball and everyone's chucking cracker jacks around and all that sort of thing I mean what, whatever it is you get up to with your foam fingers and everything but yeah it is, it's a little bit more crazy wasn't it yeah it, and you could I mean I could hear it on TV it was it was so uh, clear and, and on the show this week we were talking that generally um, our, our away fans when they go away we can hear them very very well but sometimes at St. Mary's uh, we we don't hear that as much it tends to be a bit more tame and uh, you can hear the groans uh, more often than you can hear the cheers. But yesterday, that was not the case. The the crowd was there. And every video that came in from Twitter, uh, people were into the game and behind the team. And I think they they embraced that and they took it forward. And I think there was only one uh, moment. It was right after Long came on and he was kind of out on a break. And he immediately stopped and turned around and passed the ball backwards. It's <laughs> like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> but um, that was the, the, the only time that I heard, ever heard anything other than uh, just the crowd completely behind the team and, and moving them on, and it was it was it was great. Yeah, and that's what we're going to need, isn't it? I mean, we we've spoken about it a lot, and you know, on all of our podcasts about trying to pull in the same direction. I, I mean, there's been a lot of frustration around the the last few months, a couple of years, really. And I think as soon as something goes wrong, fans are quick to get on their back and justifiably so. You know, we we pay a lot of money to watch football these days. You want to be entertained, but uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we we kind of realised, John, that we only going to move forward if we are collective. And I know it sounds like Nigel Atkins, everyone grabbing an oar and jumping on the boat and all that sort of thing but th that's what we need yeah, the club will only move forward as one won't it absolutely and you know th there's been some interesting social media posts from some of the players this week as well and it just does seem like he's immediately won them over and ultimately if you have all 11 players on the pitch all pulling in the same direction it's going to give you an advantage there's a lot of kind of superstars and prima donnas out there um in the premier league and there's a lot of managers who are struggling to get big name stars to perform and if you just have a bit of togetherness a bit of focus a very clear idea of what you're supposed to be doing it gives you a, an advantage over you know a lot of sides out there mm. um you, you can probably only really look at Klopp and uh, obviously Guardiola at Man City that have got these kind of like real true identities and you can see that all the players are totally bought into the way that they're playing. Yeah, you know, even Chelsea kind of some of their 
biggest victories are kind of sometimes accredited more to the players than the manager. So, you know, I, I think if we do get everyone playing and, uh, you know, totally behind Hudson Hootel, which I, I think, you know, the, the early signs are really, really promising and really good. And I, I think it's going to make a big difference for us. Yeah. Well, why don't we um, sort of merge into some of the questions that have come through from uh, you guys out there in uh, Podland, which are very much appreciated for. Um, Aaron Sanders, who I know works with Robbie at uh, saintsworld.co.uk, kind of links into that question, really, because he asked, can I get your predictions for end-of-season finishing league position and how many points you think we'll end up with? So bearing in mind what we're talking about there, Matt, about Hassan Hutor and hopefully the uh, the bouncer effect that we're looking for over the next few weeks, where do you think... Uh, if we're going to be totally optimistic, which includes me, Saints will end up at the end of the season. And uh, how many points do you think they can get now? Optimistic. Um, yeah. <laughs> if we play like we played yesterday, it's, I, I'm not sure because I haven't seen that enough. But um, if we're going to be completely optimistic, I, I think we can finish 10th or 11th just because we're starting so far down. And I know that the bottom of the table is relatively close, but I, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I'm not 100% confident that we're going to get away with, with, with victories like we did over Arsenal um, all of the time. And, uh, you know, part of it will be known by the by the new year because of the run that we have. But um, I don't know. I would say probably somewhere in in the the tenth to twelfth category would be would be fine with me. How many points is that going to take? I don't know. I, I'd be happy if we got up around forty five ish, but that's a long ways away, um, and I'm not sure even sure where that would leave us uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. That is very optimistic, Matt. I'm liking that. So I'm not, I'm not even sure I can be that optimistic. But uh, I, I think it's, uh, I have to say, Aaron, I, I think um, probably John will agree. It, I think it's hard to try and work out how many points Saints are going to get this season. But I think it's also hard to know how many points are needed to, to stay up because it seems to get lower every yeah. season. So I think for me, I'm going to be optimistic and say that I think Saints will finish 14th. But I don't think I can realistically say how many points they're going to get. So uh, I think I'm probably going to wimp out of that question, John, and pass it over to you. Oh Ben, that's it's total dodging there. That's my um, job as host. <laughs> <laughs> and you went second even. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I it's it's an interesting one. I, I think it's a similar season really to um our first season back in the league when uh Nigel Adkins was sacked and, and Pochettino came in. You know, Pochettino had some really good victories playing um you know, very interesting style of football which people hadn't seen for a fair while in the Premier League. And that season we finished in 14th and I think we had about 40, 41 points in total. Mm. And that probably sounds about right. I don't think every game is going to go as, as well as the game against Arsenal. We're going to have some blips. There's going to be some time for the players to adjust. Um, and there are also some teams that actually play very well against a high pressing side and can find space in behind. So there'll be some losses as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... That, Near enough around the 40 point mark, but I think that'll be enough for us to be kind of like pretty much in mid table, somewhere between 12th and 14th. So that's kind of sitting on the fence. You've shirked the points, but uh, I've shirked the position. <laughs> between us, we've answered the question then. That's good. So yeah. great. Right, John, let's pass it over to you for the next question, I think, from uh, Connor Dunford. Is that right? Yeah, I've, I've picked one out from Connor. It's uh, quite a good question. So I'm going to put this. Um, I, I think I'll put it to Matt first. So, Matt, if you're in charge of the clear out, um, we're talking about the January transfer window here, who would you actively look to sell? Who do you want to get off your books? I think the first guy would be Fraser Forster, uh, just because he hasn't been around the team. And I'm with the with bringing in Angus Gunn and and the, how McCarthy's been playing. I think that we are we are set in there. And well, I'm not sure how much money he's on, but I've read anywhere from 80 to 100 grand a week. Uh, that's a lot of money to sit and, and not do anything. So I think he's got to go somewhere. Um, if I had to look down the rest of the squad, I would, I would assume Stephen Davis is going to go to Rangers. 
Um, not that I want him to go necessarily, but I think that it's a, it's probably a good move for everybody involved. And if I had to pick maybe one other person, I, I'm not sure because we have guys that, that weren't on the, on the bench yesterday. And I was, I was, Ben, I was listening to your guys' show. I'm about, about three quarters of the way through it. Uh, but the fact that, that Elianusi and Gabby Dini weren't even on the bench yesterday mm. is worrisome. Um, so I don't know that I want to get rid of either one of them, especially not Elianusi hasn't been here long enough, but Gabby Dini now, you guys said, uh, fourth straight manager who hasn't really utilized him. So I'm, I'm worried about his, his, uh, long-term like, kind of longevity at the, at the club. I've written down three names here, Matt, while you were talking. Fraser Forster, Stephen Davis, Manolo Gabbiadini. I, t- I totally agree with you on Fraser Forster. I mean, I think he's, what, fourth or fifth choice. He's taken home a, a very high wage. Davis, um, I just don't think he's going to get a game for Saints, uh, particularly under Hazen Hootel, who's going to get them running around a lot. You know, as we spoke about in this week's podcast, he's a, a top pro, a lovely bloke. I think everyone, you know, really, really uh, rates him very highly in terms of a person. So I think it's almost uh, a move that should be warranted out of respect to give him a chance to play football because because uh, I think his days are, are limited at um, Saints now, just in terms of the club moving forward. And uh, Gabbiadini, look, I, I absolutely love Gabbiadini. I think he's uh, he brings a bit of flair, doesn't he? But again, in terms of the model that we're looking to introduce, John, under Harson Hootel, where it's going to be all about work rate, I think as Matt hit the nail on the head there, Al Uniti hasn't had a chance to prove himself yet. I think it's too soon to write him off. But Gabbiadini, that's four managers in a row now that don't really seem to have fancied him. So I think he's someone that you could ship out to back to Italy in January and try and claim back some wages and maybe a fee and put that towards someone more use. Yeah, OK, I, I can see that. I'm going to have a little follow up question. I'm going to use uh, some uh, uh, artistic license here. Do you think there's any players that are kind of been estranged or out on loan or out in the cold or out of the first team that you think might get a chance to come back into the squad under Hazen Hootel? Can I answer that one, Matt? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, go for it. There's two players that I really, really, really like, and I wish they were more involved for Saints, and that is Harrison Reed and Jake Hesketh for two different reasons. Harrison Reed is on loan at Blackburn at the moment. He's been in the Championship last season with Norwich. He's a fiery little tenacious midfielder, as many Saints fans will know. I'm probably saying this in case Hazen Hootel's listening, but yeah, he he's just the sort of player that I think epitomises what Saints fans want to see in a Saints shirt. He's a real terrier. Um, Jake Hesketh, again, he's been around, you know, you think Koeman gave him his debut, so that was shows how long ago it was, but again, he's not really had much of a chance in the first team, but very, very talented little central attacking midfielder player. I, I, I guess the only thing with him, John, is that, you know, he's quite weak in terms of physicality. You know, he's not a big strapping lad and would he get found out a bit in the Premier League in terms of the power you need and that sort of thing. But for me, they are two players that I would love to see more involved at Saints. Yeah, I, I think with Hesketh, he's probably the player that most looks like Adam Lallana did. And, mm. you know, there, there were lots of questions about Adam Lallana's physicality as well when he, he got his you know, first run in the team. But he was absolutely fantastic. Every level, League One, Championship and in the Premier League, he, he was he was absolutely fine. So, mm. um, yeah, I'd like to see Hesketh brought back in. I'd add Josh Sims to that list as yep. well. Yep. I think he could definitely do a job in a pressing side. And, and you look at how quickly we were breaking um, after Arsenal were attacking on the counter-attack. And we know that Josh Sims can do a counter-attack. You know, he's involved in probably Saints' most famous counter-attacking goal of the last <laughs> decade. Yeah. Um, right. So I'd like to see him back. But yeah, I wonder if there's any room for people like Buffal or Carigio to come back in as well with new guy. Yeah, I guess the thing with Buffal is technically he's, he's a superb player, isn't he? But is he going to work up and down the wing? You know, you look at Ozil coming on yesterday. I mean, he just didn't even look interested in doing any work, did he? And I, I think that's the risk with Buffal. What you gain in flair, you kind of lose in work rate. But 
Most most teams can afford to carry one of those players if they got ten others that are running around. So I I, I would happily give Buffel a second chance. I think um, you only have to look at the goals he scored under Puel. Cool. So moving on then, there's another question here which kind of links into that. At JW underscore SFC said, who would you like Saints to realistically sign in January? So maybe we could um, give that to, to John first. But sort of one name, John, of, of one player you'd like to bring in. If you can't think of one player, then maybe one position that I think we could probably evolve that question. One position that you might look to strengthen. It's a really tough one, isn't it? Because I look at the squad... And I think there's so many players that are underperforming. And I think with a really decent manager, you could potentially see some of these players really coming forward like they are a new signing. I've long felt that Cedric isn't quite enough in the right back position. And I don't know if I'm being totally harsh. He's had some good games, good-ish performances recently. He scored that wonderful free kick against Manchester United. But... I think that we've got to have a long-term plan for that position. And, and maybe it's going to be Jan Valery, but I don't know enough about him just yet. But yeah, so that might be a position that I was looking at. Centre-backs, you know, you, you could always argue the case for another decent centre-back. But I think really the amount of money we've spent in that area, we've actually just got to get the ones that we've got playing better. Mm, yeah, I agree. What about you, Matt? Once again, as John kind of mentioned there, it's... The, the squad is, is bloated. There are a lot of players, and, and I tend to think that a lot of them are underperforming. But looking through, looking at the wide areas, I, I think we're, we're okay, especially with some of the players we have on loan. Um, and just going back one question, I think Kazan Hoodle will be happy to give those guys a shot. He seems like he's calling people into the office. We've already seen uh, Romeu get a shot and, and be back in training and then get a start. So I think, I think the opportunity to prove themselves is there, and it's just whether or not those players will take it yeah. will determine their long-term future. I don't know. I, I think the right back situation probably needs to be addressed. Uh, Valerie seems okay as a wing back. He didn't look very good in a, in a back four uh, mm. last week against uh, Cardiff at all. And uh, it was, you know, I was kind of happy to see him get taken off at halftime because he looked like he was going to either get carded or, or, or make a mistake. So uh, I think that situation needs to be dealt with. And of course, uh, one thing that I meant, we mentioned this week on, on the show is, uh, you know, we have two of our strikers are, are Charlie Austin and Danny Ings, both guys who have struggled with, with injury and fitness. And in a side like this where they're going to be working that hard to press the ball um, with, with the training sessions and things, I wonder about their bodies kind of being uh, able to, to withstand that over the over the course of a season. Uh, so so maybe maybe the January window could be in an area where we can address that. But we also did that last year and it didn't really work out. So. <laughs> I think for me, um, I, I still think centre back is the the key issue. You think of the uh, the spine of the team. We've got five international centre backs, but it's hard to find a reliable pair between the two of them. So I know we can't mention the individual that left for the club that we can't mention either. But uh, you know, he was he was the one he was the one leader that we had that kind of organised everyone. And I think for me, that's kind of what we're missing is almost someone at the back there to really organise the defence, but organise everyone in front of them as well. So. I agree with what both of you said. I think there's enough players in that squad that if they are given the opportunity can stand up and be counted. Um, so you don't want to start writing them off. But I think, you know, it's, it's not obvious to me, maybe as it was a few months ago, that we need to strengthen here or we need to strengthen there. So I think Kruger had already said there wouldn't be much money around in January anyway. So I imagine whatever they look to do, they will look to do uh, wisely, I think. So, yeah, an interesting to watch. But uh, thanks very much for the question. So as it's Christmas, we should probably try and relax a little bit and uh, maybe go off Saints a little bit so fellow podcast in that number said have you all been good boys this year if so what present would you like Father Christmas to have waiting for you on Christmas morning so Matt let's come to you first on that one what, what's Santa going to bring all the way to Los Angeles 
<laughs> well, I haven't been very good, so probably nothing. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I tend to really not want anything. I, what I really want is for somebody to clean out my kids' rooms for me so I don't have to do it um because they have too much they, we have too much stuff i i don't know if that if you guys struggle with that with kids with people buying your kids stuff uh but if i had to ask for something honestly it's just, it's just more podcast stuff i recently moved the office around and um i need to to sound treat some of the walls because it's i don't like the way it sounds right now and so if i could have some sound treatment uh that would be good and i'm i'm, I'm hoping that I, I do get that and i probably could use a new pair of shoes um, that's the most boring answer that I could give, and that's a total. Sorry, Matt, guys. There's, there's a really cheap way of doing really good sound insulation. It's egg boxes. Is that right? Yeah, we used to do um, student radio when I was at University of Southampton, and uh, basically the walls are covered in kind of those big egg boxes, and they're, they're great. They totally deaden the sound. The shape, the material, it's perfect yeah. for it. There you go. Maybe I'll just get rid of the chickens and start using those for for that reason instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. What about you then, John? What's uh, going to make its way down to Plymouth, apart from the sunshine, obviously? Yeah, well, I mean, I have been a very good boy. I don't know if I've been quite good enough for the demand from my Christmas list. Uh, <laughs> I would really like to get a new MacBook for the podcast and recording. I'm still using my 2008 MacBook, um, and that is quite a challenge sometimes. But actually... I'm going down to St Mary's on the 27th. The game against West Ham United a couple of days after Christmas, so I don't mind Santa being late, but if he could deliver three points to Southampton, that would just absolutely make the Christmas period for me. No, I, I think that's uh, a very good one. I, uh, I took the children to see Santa a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was a few bits of spare writer letter to Santa paper lying around. So I wrote on there, you may have seen it if you uh, follow me on Twitter, some Lego, some alcohol, and uh, saints to be saved from relegation. So they're the three things I'm asking for this year. Excellent. All right, well, let's. Uh, there's a good question here from uh, Freddie. Freddie loves a bit of fun. So there's a couple of questions here from Freddie that have come in this afternoon. Um, he said, uh, obviously, Freddie from the Ugly Inside, a bit of fun. Who decorates your Christmas tree? Will you have a star of Harson Hootel at the top of it this year? Um, he's also then added an additional question, which is, which is our favourite beer for this time of the year? So, Matt, who decorates your Christmas tree, and what's your favourite beer over there? Now, okay, so I got a question. Sometimes when, when people from other parts of the world ask questions, I interpret it very literally, and, and then I miss the point. Is he actually asking who's, who decorates a Christmas tree, like whether it's me or the children? Yeah, that's that's what he's asking. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right, sorry, sorry. We're I, not like, that foreign. No, I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, generally I try to do, I get all the stuff out, I set the Christmas tree up, and I try to do as little of the actual decorating as possible. Um, there are a few decorations that my wife makes me put up and actually we put the star up on top of the tree this year and, um, we went to bed and the dog went over to the Christmas tree and knocked it over. Oh. And so we had to, uh, replace a lot of the Christmas ornaments, but I'm perfectly fine with that because now there are fewer of them to put away. Um, so yeah, I could use a new star. We can put that on the Christmas list if we need. I have to say at our house, um, it's normally, you know, you get all the Christmas stuff out, don't you? And you sort of get all excited and there's Christmas music playing in the background and everyone's, you know, all full of enthusiasm. Um, that's normally where it ends in our house because I then spend the next two hours untangling the flipping Christmas tree lights. Um, and by the time I finished, by the time I finished doing that and, the, and, you know, I have a five year old and a two year old that like to get involved as well. So one of them will have it, you know, tangled around their arm and the other have it tangled around their, their head or something. But by the time I've done all that, I, I lack Christmas spirit, to be honest with you. So, um, 
Um, so well, whilst I'm untangling the lights, the wife is normally uh, dressing the Christmas tree. She's very organised, typical female. It looks very neat and tidy by the time it's finished anyway. So uh, in terms of that, Freddie, that is who uh, does the uh, Christmas tree in our house. Um, favourite beer? I don't know if you got that far, Matt, actually, before I jump in there. Did oh, you have a favourite beer? You know, I, I just drink a lot of, of stout. I don't care what it is, just as long as it's stout, it's really, I'll drink it all throughout the, the year. I don't change with the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say that when the kids decorate the lights, as soon as they go to bed, my wife takes it all down, puts it all back up the way she wants it. Um, so I, 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 can, I feel you. Um, but my kids are 13 and 8. They should be better than than, than they are at it. But uh, <laughs> no, anyway. Uh, good, no, good to hear. So, um, yeah, look, in, ter- in terms of beer, then, just before we come to John, um, I, I will drink any beer. I'm not overly fussy, um, any form of lager. But I do have a soft spot. Um, you may have heard of it, John. I know you're into your uh, beers. But Camden Town Brewery um, is a uh, off-the-piece brewery company. So they make uh, a beer called um, Hell's Lager, which um, tastes better than it sounds. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, probably if, – if someone threw a peronium in my face, I'd happily drink it. But otherwise – Camden Town Brewery if you haven't heard of them look them up and uh, you can get some pretty tasty beer through them John Christmas tree beer Christmas tree well my son's four years old now and he was involved in decorating it for the first time this year so that was really cool yeah in terms of Christmas beer, wow! I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, we actually gave away a free box of beer on the podcast a little while back with with this company, Beer Fifty Two, and they do some great stuff. What I'm drinking quite a lot of at the moment is tropical IPAs, which is totally unChristmassy. <laughs> but I think I'm missing that like incredible summer that we had of you know England playing well, the World Cup, and you know wall to wall sunshine and being over thirty degrees. But if we're talking about Christmas beer, I should probably give a shout out to my friend who um, works as a brewer in, in Fuller's in, uh, in West London. And they actually do a, uh, a vintage ale uh, for Christmas. And it's like 10 percent. It's nearly wine strength. But that's a great one. And just for those special occasions at Christmas. So that would be the one I recommend. And I think that would be to your taste as well, Matt. It's, you know, it's quite quite a chewy beer. <laughs> yeah, good for a yeah. stout drinker nice if we're doing shout outs then i must uh, also give belfrill brewery a shout out uh, my friend works for them they do gluten-free beer so if you're listening to this and you're uh, you don't want gluten then uh, yeah belfrill brewery is uh, another one to look up so there we go that covers that off so right i, I think we've got one more question probably we've got time for so caroline emerson who i know is a very loyal listener to all three of our pods um so very grateful to caroline she said here Hashtag SFC Superpod 2. If you were told you could only go to all the home games or all the away games for one season, which would you choose and why? John Bailey, let's go to you. I mean, this is an easy one as long as the private jet is um, thrown in as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, the seamless travel. Yeah. But, you know, it would, it would definitely be the away games for me. There's quite a lot of away grounds that I still haven't visited, especially in the north of England, um, that I'd really love to get to. The away kind of support for Southampton is fantastic it's just always good fun um, you don't necessarily expect to see Saints win so once you've had that expectation taken away you just get on and enjoy the day and and that's that's quite nice and there's kind of like a real kind of uh, a good spirit and you make loads of noise regardless of how well Saints are playing so um, yeah a season of away games would, would be fantastic you know I'd very much enjoy that it's just the travel yeah. and the expense yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I can ask Matt this question, um, so I'm just going to ask it to you, John. What's been your your best away day ever following Saints? <laughs> ever? Oh my god! Um, Can't ask you, Matt, because you've only been to West Ham and they got smashed. <laughs> <laughs> that that is such a 
Weirdly, while you're thinking about that then, yeah. weirdly, bearing in mind where you live, for me it would have to be the uh, 3-1 win down at Plymouth at the end of the uh, League One season when uh, we got promoted under Nigel Atkins back into the Championship. So uh, it was an amazing day out, other than the fact that we stopped for a pee and a lay-by and I slipped on the hill and landed in stinger nettles. But I was already drunk by that <laughs> stage on the way down there. But uh, if Lee Marchant's listening, then he'll remember that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think probably that Plymouth, um, Plymouth away day, uh, just for the fact that we got smashed, it was roasting hot, and then we obviously got promoted as well, which was uh, an amazing feeling. That was kind of the first sort of step back on the journey to the Premier League. So that would be uh, me, and obviously connected to you, John, bearing in mind you're living down there now. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a fair while before Saints play Plymouth again, you know, unless we get them in a cup draw at the moment. The Pilgrims are not doing particularly well at, at the moment. No. Um, but yeah, I will try and get across and, and watch them at some point whilst I'm down here. You know what? I think actually just for the performance and the way it made me feel was when Saints beat Fulham 3-0 at Craven Cottage. Mm, um, it was just before the 2014 World Cup, and it just felt like we were watching an incredibly special group of players. I remember Ricky Lambert kind of setting the, the, the goal out for Jay Rodriguez, and that, that is just kind of one of the goals which I most remember in my head. So I, I'll probably go for that one, just because the way we played was, was just so special. Excellent pass and uh, a wonderful finish. So, look, um, very much appreciate all three of us do you sending in your questions. So thanks for doing that. I'm, I'm sure we'll do another pod at the end of the season. So uh, if we haven't answered it today, then I'm sure we uh, we will do then. But look, just before we finish up then, Matt, what's your plans for Christmas? You hosting? You, you going to the family? I mean, you guys always cook massive, great turkeys over there and everything, don't you? We do. So that'll be Christmas Day with my uh, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. My family does a, a weird kind of thing. My mom, my mom's uh, side of the family is Italian. Right. And for some reason, they've decided that midnight is the appropriate time to celebrate as a family. So all the kids, um, there's like 22 of them, uh, will show up in pajamas. And at midnight, they will rip their presents open. And then uh, while they're off th- doing that, um, everybody who's over the age of 21 will uh, get together and do the another gift exchange, which basically means it's it's 12 minutes of yelling at each other and taking a lot of shots. And then uh, we make pasta. Uh, you know, the, the, the good news is the kids sleep in in the morning because they've been up till five in the morning. And so Christmas morning will start somewhere about nine and then we'll uh, we'll head over to my, my in-laws house after that. But uh, I am uh, always looking forward to it because I have a bunch of family that's kind of spread all over California, which is is massive. And we don't uh, see each other very often. So this will be a, a good time. That sounds cool. Can you just do me a quick favor and say pasta again? Pasta. That's cool. You say a lot better than I do. Um, what about you, John? Going to the brother-in-law's house down in Cornwall, you know, for Christmas Day, which would be nice. You're going further yeah. west. Yeah, going going further west. But then obviously we've got um, West Ham and Southampton on the 27th, and it'll be up to my folks in Bath, which is where I grew up. Mm. Um, after that, so you know, all around the the south and the southwest of England. Brilliant. Um, we're we're flying down to Southampton on the 23rd, and uh, I'd arranged with Mrs. S that we would fly back on the 27th so that I could take Little Man, who's five, to his first Saints game on Boxing Day, and uh, we're flying back on <laughs> 27th mid Yeah, 27th mid afternoon. We're flying home, and now Sky have uh, helpfully, uh, due to a variety of moves of fixtures, that's going to be played on the evening of the 27th. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was obviously counting my uh, blessings that I wasn't going to have to take him to watch Saints but bearing in mind the uh, Hassan Hootal revolution that's underway I'm a bit gutted but yeah I'm, uh, I'm going to do a podcast with Adam um, we're going to do one in Adam's west wing of his house on Sunday night which will be good um, but other than that I'm not going to get to see any football which is the same but obviously I'm going to get to see my family which is uh, you know a bonus of course so uh, safe travels to everyone if you're, you're traveling around then guys and uh, have a good Christmas 
Yeah, and do say hello if you're at St Mary's on the 27th. Always like meeting uh, the occasional listener. Good fun. We hope you've enjoyed SFC Superpod 2. As I say, on behalf of all of us, thanks very much for the uh, the listens you give our podcast. Um, it does take a lot of time and effort, but the fact that you guys enjoy it so much and uh, feedback to us and uh, share the love is uh, is always very, very grateful for that. In terms of the podcast over the next few weeks, I'm sure there will be uh, plenty around with the, the Christmas bake and the, uh, the number of games. But from now on, Matt, remember that together we march on. And as I'd say, keep marching in. John? Yeah, whatever. Uh, cheerio, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,